Hi, dreamers. This is Lucy, and welcome to another episode of the Self Made Expats with Lucy Jan, where I interview expats from all across the globe to share their inspiring and motivating stories. Today, I am here with Alfonso Fiore. Alfonso was born and raised in Italy, and now he lives in Singapore. Before moving to Singapore, he lived in many different countries that include Finland, the Netherlands, France, England, Luxembourg, the United States, and Thailand. I mean, this is a long list. I am sure we have a lot to talk about today. Well, he not only changed countries, but also successfully transitioned his career from engineering to product management. And today he is the chief product officer at Happy Fresh. I am so looking forward to the interview today. Welcome to the show, Alfonso. So happy to virtually meet you today. Hey, Lucy. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. And please、uh, call me out. A lot of people call me out, and maybe it's a bit easier. So yeah, super looking forward as well to talk, to talk about、uh, to talk with you. I think、uh, when when I see like、uh, a podcast about expat, I'm like, okay, this sounds like me. So that was a good match. <laughs> Thanks a lot. Thank you so much. Okay, I'll call you Al. All right. Uh, so I do have a lot of questions.、Uh, but first, well, you were born and raised in Italy. Then you moved to, I mean, so many countries like Finland, France, and Singapore, like Thailand, so many different countries. Was living abroad your dream or goal, like when you were young, or like did it just happen just naturally? Uh, I I don't remember how this actually came, but definitely at some point it was really my my dream, right? So I remember when I went to uni,、uh, that that was was when I really really decided I wanted to do it. And my parents kind of my, my parents were very very big on education, and so they thought that education has to come first, right? So they were they were doing everything they could to kind of uh, uh, make me postpone、uh, my trip, right? Because、uh, in Europe、mm-hmm. back then and still now. Uh, there is a program called Erasmus that allows、uh, European、mm. students to get a one-year education abroad, right? And I wanted to do it every time. I was like, "Oh yeah, this year I'm going to apply. This year I'm going to apply." And they always kind of walk talk me out of it because they were like,、uh, they were maybe worried that that would have an impact on my on my education, right? And finally, the last、mm. year, I, I I just maybe I guess I guess I got I got older and I got more in control of of, of my destiny, I guess. And so I just、uh, went for for the last year. So I spent.、Uh, My last year studying in Finland, and kind of didn't look back ever since. Because after I studied in Finland, I think I spent maybe two or three years in Italy. I'm not quite sure, and the rest of my life in、mm-hmm. different countries. So yeah, it was. I don't know where it started, but definitely at some point it became like something that I absolutely I had to do. Wow. So was Finland the first like foreign country that you flew to? Like when when did you take your first flight? Oh, that's actually a funny story. So my 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 first flight,、uh, believe it or not,、uh, was taken but to to go and visit the to go and witness the MTV European Music Award in Dublin because the oh year, wow yeah because the year prior MTV kind of. Lock me in a place, and so I, I, I kind of during the previous MTV that we were held in Italy, and so I kind of brought them.、Uh, imagine like a 
I don't know, 18, 19 years old. I wrote them an angry mm. letter that, hey, I'm, I'm being locked here. I'm going to go, I'm going to call lawyers and stuff. And so they, they, they gave me free tickets for the, for the next year. Uh, and that was my first flight. So my first flight was, I think, mm. around uh, 19 years old uh, in, uh, to go to Dublin. And it was such a great experience. And, and you know, again, super, like a lot of very funny stories, but I'm not sure if you, if you know, but uh, Italians have a very kind of uh, special breakfast. Like we eat sweet stuff in the morning, right? And so, oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, we, we eat like cake and, and, and sweet stuff, right? Uh, like, like that's where the, the, you know, if you, for example, in France, right? If you, if you go to France and you get a, a brioche, is, there is actually nothing inside. But in Italy, uh, mm-hmm. you can get brioche stuff with chocolate, with jam, that kind of stuff. And that's mm-hmm. a very breakfast thing to do, right? In Italy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, true, true. And, and so the first time around when I went to, to Dublin, I still remember to this day, I ordered breakfast and they were like sausages. And I was like, no, dude, it's 8 a.m. What are you doing? It's, this is supposed to be lunch or dinner. Where are my cakes? So, and, and I think this is one of the things that I love the most about traveling. I've done, I've been to, mm-hmm. actually, I've been to a lot of countries. I've been to, to maybe close to 100 countries around the world. And, and the, wow. amount, the amount of experiences and crazy things that happen that are really, that throws you off your game. And you're like, things that you would give for granted like a thousand times over. And then you realize, no, those are not granted at all. Those are you, your culture, your education, your background. Mm. And so it really allows you to put everything in perspective. So I really love it. I, mm. uh, it's, it's, it's kind of a drug, actually. In the last couple of years, I've been so bummed that I couldn't travel. Like my last trip yeah. was uh, my last big trip, I guess, was in South America before the, before the pandemic. I went to Peru and Argentina. Uh, and, and ever since I've been like... Hey, where is my next trip? Where is my next trip? I'm, I'm still mm-hmm. traveling a little bit in Southeast Asia, like in Thailand, Malaysia, Indonesia. Uh, but but I really need that that next big thing. Actually, I'm talking to some friends and thinking maybe I could I could organize like a, a hiking to base camp in Nepal, and and that's my mm. my next dream. I don't know if it's gonna happen this year, but but I would love yeah. to, to try because I really really love it so much. Um, so yeah. Wow. That sounds really cool. Well, so you, so I guess like you said, you, how did you learn English then? Like, like do, do Italians speak English pretty well or how, how is it? Or like maybe Finland, was it like your first time learning so, English and speaking English? Yeah, that's a very good question actually, because at least back then, uh, English in Italy is, is, um, it's taught more like a academic thing. So I, I would read Shakespeare and that type of stuff, but I wouldn't be able to put two sentences together, right? And now that you mm. make me think about it, I have this very, very distant memory from when I was a teenager, maybe 13 or 14 years old. And I was in Florence at the one of the big museums, like the, one of the biggest museums in the world, like the Uffizi Museum in, in Florence. And I clearly, distinctly remember, and I, I remember nothing else of that of that experience, but I clearly remember me walking to this uh, middle-aged couple of Americans and, and trying mm-hmm. to blubber like, my name is and what's your name or whatever, right? Because I was like really looking forward to communicate with the rest of the world, I guess. Maybe that's, maybe that's mm-hmm. what it is, right? But then yeah. in terms of really like... Um, learning how to, to, to speak up. When I moved to, to Milan for my studies, for my first uh, master's degree, I was, I was 18. Mm-hmm. And I remember my English was so horrible. I could only swear. That was the only words I knew. And, uh, and, and, and I kind of bumped by coincidence. And I, 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 I shared my flat. Uh, the, second, the second year, I shared my flat with an Irish um, 
lyric singer. It was a guy. It was a, it, and it, it oh. sing, sing, singing lyrics in in. I wish him the best. I hope wow. I hope it's super famous now. I, I lost touch with him, mm. uh, but that was kind of a little bit where he starts. And I remember again clearly this image of him at some point saying, "Dude, I can speak Italian. Please stop because this is killing me. Right, your English is so bad. Just don't don't speak English." <laughs> and then. Uh, <laughs> I guess the, the, when things change, where the next year, where in the same condo, uh, there was an, a, a flat where there was like an Irish girl and other, another international people. And she was so kind. She was so slow. She was just speaking so slowly for us. I realized it only now. We could actually. So talk nice to of her. her. Yeah, because one mm-hmm. night we, we had a dinner. She invited us to a dinner with, a, with her Irish friends. And I didn't catch a word the entire night. So yeah. <laughs> only then I realized she must be she must have this incredible patient, right? Patience. Yeah. To speak, to, to speak slowly for us, to make us understand. That's that's actually I think it's thank, thanks to her that I now can speak a little bit more English. So yeah. And then yeah, your, then your of English course, is really good. Thank you. Thank you mm-hmm. very much. It's been twenty years in the making. So <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> by now by now it would be a bit sad if it wasn't good, right? But I think, and of course, then, you know, moving to Finland, uh, of course, then I, that's the first time where I spoke English, like for, for 20 hours a day or whatever. And so that, that's, I think, where, where, in fact, at some point, people would, back then, not anymore, but people at some point even told me, oh, is it, this is so weird. Why you speak English with a Finnish accent? But at some point, I had a little bit of a oh. Finnish accent in my English. So that, so I had, I had different accents. I think now it's back to, to a little bit of Italian uh, accent, I guess. But, but, but I had different accents depending where I, where I lived mm-hmm. and which English I heard. Yeah. Yeah, I, I understand what you mean. Actually, really funny because I did my exchange, like, I don't know, like, because I went from Korea to Sweden, actually, for okay. my ex- university exchange program. We didn't call it er- Erasmus because mm-hmm. we are not, you know, from Europe, but like Sweden and Finland are quite similar, I guess, Ooh, right? Wow. Don't say that to a Finn. No? no? Okay. Sorry. Sorry. Anyone? Okay. Sorry about that. Okay. So I have a great Sweden friend. and Finland are not similar. I have, <laughs> sorry. I have a really, really funny friend. He's a Finnish guy and he says that everything, every time he's abroad and he does something silly, he says, oh, don't worry, I'm mm-hmm. Swedish. Because he wants to keep spread, oh, spreading the idea that okay. British people are a bit funky. But anyway, sorry. It's just, so what happened to you in Sweden? I know. It's a joke, guys. <laughs> okay. Oh, all right. So, but like just, uh, just one question out of curiosity. Why did you, why did you choose Finland uh, to study? Another great question. Congratulations. So, so that's actually out of, more out of necessity than anything else. Because what happened was that back then, right, it was necessity and calculation. This is, was my, my inner Sun Tzu, right? I was saying kind of the, heart, the art of, of, of speaking English. Because I really wanted to, because, I, I, and again, stereotypes, right? I mean, we are here, we're talking about experts, we're talking mm-hmm. about countries. So please allow us to use a, a, a little bit of a stereotypes, right? So the stereotype of the Italian uh, studying abroad is an Italian that goes either to Spain or France to get drunk, right? That's kind of the, uh, the typical. Oh, is it? Yeah. Oh, this is the okay, I didn't know that. Yeah, this is the ideal Erasmus oh. for an Italian, right? Do nothing, just okay. uh, speak a language which is pretty much identical to yours. Like I speak French, mm. I speak Spanish. Those are really, really similar languages, right? Um, mm-hmm. And just go there and chill and, and, and party, right? And, mm-hmm. and because I was a nerd, whatever, and uh, that's what it is. I wanted to actually l- learn English, right? That was my goal. And so my university at the time, uh, hopefully now it's different, and hopefully now they have a ton of different schools and many, many places, right? But back then, there was only like five or ten spots every year for Erasmus. Mm-hmm. Oh, and only wow. two, there was only one single spot, like a single seat 
uh, in England, in London, and only three wow. or four in Finland. And that, and so basically, wow. I learned that the Finnish school, that the, the training was fully in English. And so I just, I just, my odds, I thought my odds were better to go to, um, to, to, to actually go to Finland because I thought, you know, there's more chances that I get one on one, on, one spot in three rather than, than, than what the only one spot, right? Because it was actually ranked based on your academic uh, results, right? Um, mm -hmm. And, and mm -hmm. super funny story. I, I, I'm actually still friend with the guy that didn't take the, the place to London. So George, if you hear me, you should have gone to London. You lost, you, you ruined that, that chance, right? At the last minute, he pulled out. It was like, no, 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 I'm, I'm, you know, I don't know, maybe no more, no breakfast. I don't know. I don't know what was his reason, but he didn't, <laughs> he didn't go to London and it made me so upset. It was like, come on, I didn't even apply because I wanted, I didn't want to risk yeah. not taking it, but I loved it. It was a fantastic experience. And Finland, it, it was amazing because exactly going back to the idea of having kind of different point of views, right? I mean, I, I think there is no, no, I mean, I'm, I, I mean, that's, that's a bit of an exaggeration, but I, I don't know if there is a lot of people, places in the world where, where there are more differences than, than in Finland, right? I mean, Finland is so mm -hmm. polar opposite and of, of Italy, right? It's like the weather, the food, the culture, mm. the alcohol, the, 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 the sports, everything is polar opposite, right? So it was a, such an amazing experience and, and everybody was so kind to us. Uh, different culture, mm. different culture. But to this yeah. day, I have friends that I have friends from Finland, right? I mean, they, they are, they are great people. Like if you, if you get to, if you get close to a Finn, you get close to a Finn for life. I think it's, it's really, yeah. it's, a, it's a beautiful and it's, it's a fantastic place. I mean, the, the, the nature, mm. the, I mean, it's, you know what, you know, the joke, right? Summer is a beautiful day in Finland because it's a bit of a cold, uh, a cold country, right? So instead of being a season, it's a day, right? So, oh, yeah. <laughs> That makes sense. That makes yeah. sense. Yes. I, I love Finland and I love Sweden and Denmark, those like Nordic mm -hmm. uh, European countries. I, I really love those countries. Well, of course, Italy as well and Spain or well, France. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Just out of curiosity. So you were pretty young when you first moved to Finland mm -hmm. uh, as a student. Yeah. Did you carry anything to remind you of Italy the first time you left the country? So actually, that's 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 cool that you asked me that because I didn't particularly do that. But then when I came back uh, over Christmas, uh, my sister gave me the the craziest uh, gift ever. I, I I really remember it again. Like you know, I have these flashes from my memory. I don't know if I, I really envy people that remember their past. I kind of not. But then I have these flashes mm -hmm. right of things that capture my imagination. And back then, I think uh, Nutella sold this five kilo jar, right, which is shaped like the normal oh. jar. But it's five kilo big, and and uh, and so wow. I remember like my little trolley, and half of the trolley was the five kilo Nutella jar. <laughs> so that was pretty cool. I, I really loved that gift. So it was, it was uh, that, oh that and, and that reminded me of of Italy because everything in all the imports in Finland, especially as a student, right? I was a broken student, a, a broke student, and and so mm. all the imports mm -hmm. were were so expensive, right? So I remember that I think I've done the the most expensive I prepared I, uh, for for friends. I prepared probably the most expensive lasagna I ever made because all the ingredients were imported, right? So I, I oh, remember yes. like the, the, every every ingredient, the cheese, mozzarella and everything and pasta, everything was so crazy expensive. So probably it cost just out of ingredient $30 or something like that. It was it was crazy. And wow. for, at the time, it was a lot of money. So Yes, yes. Especially as a student, mm. I, I, I couldn't agree with you more. Yeah. 
So, okay, so you studied, I know that you studied computer science Correct. for your master's degree. And after you studied your study, you worked for Nokia for around eight to nine years, eight to nine years, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. And probably, yes. Yeah. You were. <laughs> yes, you were saying earlier that you were kind of a nerd. Yeah. So, like, why did you choose to study computer science, and how was working for Nokia? Yeah. So my studies were. Uh, I, I actually uh, heard. Uh, I was. I was actually uh, listened to to one of your interviews, and and I remember one of your uh, previous um, oh. uh, guest uh, said that you know. Uh, Computer science was trendy. That's why he chose computer science. Yes, for me, yes. it was absolutely mm -hmm. opposite. For me, it was like absolute love at first sight. I could have wow. not studied anything else. Like I was the worst high school student that in the world, right? I was like super lazy. I was like, I, I used to be proud that my my book. I don't know. I don't know if I can if you if I can explain you this with words. But do you know, like especially high school books, right? Because you open them so much, right? They 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 mm. kind of get a bit larger i don't know if you know what i mean like mm -hmm. a bit thicker right i know i know like what you mean opening, mm -hmm. right? but just opening they get thicker and i was actually proud that some of my books never got thicker because i never opened them right that was like how bad of a of a high school student i was right and so uh, like my, my sister was very worried that i would uh that i wouldn't actually be able to do anything at uni and just sleep right the entire day because i, I was sleeping a lot and i was like um and but finally like i think when i was maybe 12 or 13 my 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 dad got the first personal computer for work and and i was so captivated i was for me it was oh my god it was like it blew my mind it was such a fantastic thing right and then uh, again super super weird coincidence like in my super tiny village i grew up in a small 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 village uh there was there was a guy uh, uh who, who kind of became my best friend my my second father figure i guess uh who actually was a, really like an an expert developer expert programmer and so I kind of mm -hmm. started like spending many, like many, many days, uh, all the afternoons with him. And he taught everything he knew me. He, he taught me everything he knew about computers. I started building my own personal computers from parts. So I would buy parts and then assemble my own personal computers, uh, which I still do sometimes these days. I, I, it's a funny hobby. Um, and so I couldn't do anything else. I don't think I would have never been able to, to, to because like even at uni, right, I, I remember the contrast was so stark. Like when I went, when I was in uni, I was a super nerd and, you know, everybody hated me. They were like, <laughs> and actually, if you, if you want, I can tell you a couple of funny stories from, from my uni, which was like, you know, we had this really um, uh, professor that was kind of really feared, but also loved because he was the most knowledgeable, right? So we mm -hmm. let's say four classes with the same topic and they promised to do the same exam. Uh, for, sorry, for classing, meaning that we were like 800 students. So each class was like 100. Oh. And so our mm -hmm. class, the class with our professor, got the entire, like more than half of the entire population. Uh, so we had to go there and book our seats two hours in advance. Wow. Because he was the best teacher. And because they said anyone, they would they would ask the same exam, right? So nobody mm -hmm. went anymore to, the real, to their assigned professor. They were all coming with this guy, right? And then... I was so fascinated by the class. So in the middle of the class, I would actually uh, ask a lot of questions, right? And then at some point, uh, people like complained that, you know, they, they were they were the break because they wanted to smoke cigarettes. I don't know what the hell they did. But basically, they, they were actually, I remember one time the, the professor was like, uh, I asked a question because I didn't watch, look at the watch. I didn't care that the, the break was coming. I was care, I, I care about listening to this guy. And so the guy was like, uh, the break was coming up. 
and and so people were like they clearly uh, were upset that I was actually asking a question one minute before the break. And so he said, "Okay, do, I, do you guys want to listen to the question or do you want to take a break?" And everybody was like, "Oh, let's take a break." And I thought, "Okay, this maybe I went too far, right? Maybe I, I was I was a bit too much." And so in the microphone, mm-hmm. he said, "Okay, you guys take a break and you come here to the to the to the." whiteboard and we'll talk about it and then he put the microphone down and he said this is actually where it gets funny and we spent the the break talking about my question right and and um, i loved computer science so much right and and to me it was really really i actually can say this it was kind of easy because i really found that was really logical but then for example I was so crazy attuned to that because I remember that, for example, passing exams such as mathematics and physics was such a mm-hmm. struggle. I had to work so hard and I was passing with bare grades, like with like bare passing grades, right? So I was getting the best mm-hmm. grades in computer science. So I don't feel like I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm being dishonest in a sense that I really love that, that thing and I was bad at everything else. So I don't think I'm being too, uh, you know... Uh, exaggerated in my own review because that's the truth right i i, I was struggling with everything mm-hmm. else but computer science was just such a huge love such a huge passion i i i really really enjoyed it i i remember the passion that i had when i was studying those things i, I wish i had the same passion today i i unfortunately i don't <laughs> now i just want to get done with work and go and, and go diving <laughs> wow that's really fascinating so well, like, okay, so you after your study, so you got a job at Nokia, I believe. And um, I saw that from your LinkedIn, you took different roles in Nokia, mm-hmm. right? I think you started as an IMS engineer, IP networking planning engineer. If you yeah. have to be honest, I don't really know like <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the, the responsibilities in details. But yeah. And then later you became a sales engineer. Mm-hmm. So how did it all happen? And why did you make this transition? And uh, do, do you feel like, you know, do you feel like you used your computer science kind of like nerdy kind of uh, knowledge when you were working in Nokia? Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. And actually, yeah, and before I, I actually kind of didn't answer the second part of your question about how they end up in Nokia, right? Because Nokia is a Finnish company, right? And so mm-hmm. when I was in when I was in Finland, right, um, I I actually um, I, I applied there because because uh, I was actually doing good in studies, so I had some extra time. And because it's such a different culture, right? Like the the Nordics are really the only socialistic countries in the world, right? And and this really really you, this shines through in everything in their culture, right? So for example, I could actually apply to a multinational company, one of the biggest. Uh, tech companies in the world and I could actually apply for an internship of one week one day per week which is insane right to me it's it's crazy oh, right wow. because they they, mm-hmm. they believe so like in education and all that kind of stuff so they had this type of, of 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 things and so I applied very early when I was in Finland in Nokia and because I was still studying so I did one or two days per week now I don't remember I first started with one or two oh. days and then I moved to four days a week and so I got to know the company and in fact, actually, I didn't. I wasn't even doing uh, in the career that you mentioned. I wasn't even doing really computer science. I was doing more telecommunication engineer. So that would have been a better, a, a more matching background compared to what I actually did. Um, but you know, one of the one of the sayings that I really believe in is like life is what happened while you are making other plans, right? Uh, because I never, I, you know, I, <laughs> oh, hate, I like, like that. Yeah, when when people ask me like. I don't know if anybody ever asked me to be honest, but the question like, what do you see yourself in five years? I'm like, 
dude, I have no idea what I'm going to do tomorrow, right? So <laughs> God knows if I, what I'm going to do in, in five years. So to me, it's, it's more like getting the chance, getting the opportunity, dropping the mm -hmm. opportunity you don't like. Like a few times, actually, mm -hmm. I, I went from a better paid job to a lesser paid job because I simply didn't mm -hmm. enjoy it, right? So I did that as well. And so, yeah, I, I think back to your last question. So I actually, I think I did a lot. Of, I used a lot of my technical uh, knowledge and, and passion about it. In fact, it was a, a bit of a kind of a, a good chance because that was when the telecom, in, the telecom world, I know, I mean, I don't want to get, I know it's, it's not very interesting for you or for the listeners, but let's say just a minute, like when, when the telecom yeah. world started to merge with the, with the internet world, because the telecom world used to have their own uh, specific telecom thing that they were doing. And then at, at that time was the time in history where they kind of merged with, with the internet, right? And, and uh, mm -hmm. it became kind of one and the same thing, right? Telecom world and the internet mm -hmm. world. They, they used to be very, very separate, right? And so the reason why that's actually where computer science came in, because computer science was much more related to the internet world. Uh, and that's why a telecom engineer probably five years, five years prior, probably I wouldn't have not landed that job without being a telecom engineer. But I got, I guess I was, I was mm -hmm. lucky. I was at the right time at the right place. And so they wanted people with internet experience and the way, and, 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 and again, because the, because of the Nokia culture, right? Uh, Everything, it, it was, it, it's, it, I'm sure it's still the case, right? They, they really want people to kind of um, grow and, and learn new things, right? So th that's another thing, right? I think culturally speaking, compared to the Italian mindset, right? Uh, you know, uh, my bosses were always happy for me to explore and, and go do different things, right? Mm. And so it was a really, really great fit because it was a growing business. Um, so obviously a growing business allows you to, to do different things because, you know, you don't have to hunker mm. down. You can actually keep growing. And the mentality of, of, of Nokia has always been that of like, you know, education. And I took a ton of trainings like in, internally inside the company. In fact, actually, that's another crazy story. So I joined this part of Nokia when I was a student in Finland. And I kid you not. Mm -hmm. And to this day, this blows my mind because I don't think I ever seen companies do it uh, before and after Nokia. Nobody ever gave me that opportunity. I joined on first, let's say, 1st of September. I don't know. And they said, okay, tomorrow we have booked everything. You're flying to London and you're going to take this class with Hewlett Packard, which you can imagine is oh, must have cost them like $5,000 or maybe more. $10, when you were an intern? As an intern, the first day. Oh my in, gosh! In, in in the job, it was it was it was pretty crazy, right? It was um, yeah, it was it was insane. It was my 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 internship, and and another thing that I really sorry if I keep bringing up stories, but another thing that I really would want to remember because I think it's it's a super amazing thing of Finland, and I think everybody should should try yeah to, go for it. Yes, it, should take a page out of that book, right? I, I something <laughs> that happened there, right? I was I was a, the junior technician doing whatever, right? And uh, at some point, right, uh, this uh, um, <laughs> this cute Finnish employee comes to me and is like, "Oh, you know, uh, we finished disk in our server. Can you help us?" And my boss, by coincidence, it was not around, right? It was like it was off on a business trip for a few days, right? And I was like, "Hey, I've been to London. Of course, I can help you. What are you talking about?" <laughs> and so I, I'll try to make it short because it's a longer story. But basically, I destroyed the entire research lab. Uh, of, of of that team, right? I totally wreck it. Not not by will, but I, I did. And when my boss came back, he realized what happened, and he said, "Well, you could you could, uh, you could not have known because you're you made a, a mistake in good faith. Just don't do it again. Mm -hmm. and that's it. Like that was like 
no scolding, no nothing at all. Uh, it was just like, you know, hey, that was a mis- that was a mistake in good faith. Maybe try not to do it the second time. Mm. But but that, that was insane, right? I mean, the the way the way they 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 treat mistakes and the way the fact that they are like, you know, just learn from it. Uh, it's something that I think I still carry w- with me to this day, right? It was a huge, huge yeah. lesson, right? Lesson, right? It was no, no scolding, no, no shouting, no nothing. It was just a very factual mm. and very, very finished, I would say, way to be like, hey, you made a mistake. Let's go on. <laughs> something like that, right? So, Life goes on. Yeah, yeah, let's move on. Okay. Wow. Fantastic. Yeah. Wow. I love that, actually. Yeah. So, okay. Correct me if I'm, mis- if I'm mistaken. So, when you were working for Nokia, you were. From my understanding, you worked in Finland and France and Holland. Was it the case? How did you? I don't know. Yeah. Like, so how did you move to different countries? Yeah, I, I actually worked in Italy, Finland, and France for 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 Nokia. Mm-hmm. And then in in mm-hmm. Holland, I was working for a competitor for a, for a year because it was a huge, like insanely paid job, and and you couldn't say no, right? Yeah. It was like uh, it's, it's it was insane. Like actually, I. I I, I, I paid my business school with that, right? Because it was like such a such a hugely uh, paid wow. job just because they were looking for this super, super specific expertise, right? So it was really, really technical, mm. right? Um, and uh, I, I, the way it happened is it, it's like, uh, because it's the same company, so they were very happy, like within internal. So I, I did first my internship in uh, in Nokia in Finland, right? And then after graduation, I, I work uh, one year somewhere else. And then I, uh, as a consultant, and then mm-hmm. I went back to, to Nokia within Italy, right? And then I still mm-hmm. had my ties with Finland. So I asked for inter- internal transfer and I moved oh, back. Wow. Because basically uh, only only in Finland you get to tra- actually now back to your, to, to your podcast, right? Because only in Finland you really get to travel a lot. Because in Italy it was a regional, mm. it, was a, it, it was the local team, right? The country team. So I would go to Milan, to Rome, oh, that kind of stuff, but I wasn't okay. really traveling. And so I, I, I yearned for, to, to travel more, right? So I, I joined this, um, this team in, uh, uh, in, in Finland because that was like the support team that covered all the world, all the parts of the world, right? And actually, again, story, <laughs> I remember like my, my boss was really, my boss at the time, I, I, I loved him. It was, it, was, it was a bit crazy. He had this strategy that, if he had someone on the bench, if he had someone in the team waiting, he would actually always answer uh, from any other office in the world that was actually asking him, like, "Hey, we need an expert on X, Y, Z, right?" And he mm. never, he never look at the expertise of his team. He would always re- reply, like, "Oh, you're lucky, I got an expert," even though we never heard about that technology before, right? So we would actually mm. flew all over the world and then spending nights studying and during the day working with the customer. Uh, and and uh, it was fantastic. It was really fun. It was a lot of fun. So I actually ended up moving to Finland, and then right after that, I flew. I I, I got flown to um, to Brazil to Rio de Janeiro, uh, oh, wow. and uh, and I was there for a project for for a, for a few uh, months, I guess, couple of months. I don't remember anymore wow. how long it was. But it was crazy because I, I I was I literally didn't have a clue about what I was doing. Uh, I knew I mean I, I knew very very basic level, and I literally stayed up at night study asking my colleagues. And then during the day I was doing it, and I was like, yeah yeah let's let's go this far this time. Let's continue tomorrow because I didn't read the next chapter yet, right? So I was like, okay, let's mm-hmm. stop here because there was a, all the manuals, right? So I was studying the manuals at night, and then during the day I was actually showing to to the customers how it worked right it was it was so much fun i, I enjoyed it. yeah i mean sounds really fun and sounds like a really 
great, like you had a, it sounds like you had a really great opportunities uh, working there. So you mentioned about uh, MBA mm -hmm. uh, earlier, just briefly. So, yep. so after working for a corporation for quite some time, I guess like around 10 plus years yep. Yep. by now, like by, by then, you decided to go for MBA. Is that correct? Mm, correct. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Why? <laughs> yeah. So that, that's kind of the, the I, I probably guess that that's kind of the, the, the standard reasoning of, at least at the time, it sounded to me the standard reasoning of, of many kids, right? So I had a very good friend who, I, I still have a very good friend who was my uh, university professor, the one that I graduated with, right? And she was always a big advocate of MBA, right? And at the time, I thought like, mm. oh, you know, I know best. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm working for Nokia. I'm traveling the world. I don't need any of this, right? Uh, and of course, she was right, <laughs> as often <laughs> as often the case, right? With people uh, trying to give you good advice just for just to help you. Um, mm -hmm. And so I, I actually started my MBA a bit late compared mm -hmm. to to the average age, maybe four or five years later than the average age, right? So I was a bit older than the average. And the reason was that you know, like. I think it's the, the probably fifty percent of, of of kids. I some of I, I would I would say some people are more like deliberate and they have a plan and that kind of stuff. But I think a mm -hmm. lot of other people just just go do the best they can in navigating life, right? And so for all those people, it was like I have no clue what to do next. Let's let's take an MBA, right? That's that's kind of the 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 point, right? So you you write all those yeah I have this super plan I'm gonna do this and that, but the reality is like you have no clue. And actually, by the way, that's a super, super legit answer, right? I think if, mm -hmm, if you're listening yeah. and if you're thinking like, what the hell am I going to do next in life? And you're like academics and you think like you 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 like a rigorous um, course, like for one year, like put your head down and work like 20 hours a day, mm -hmm. then MBA is fantastic. Like it's, it's a super good, yeah. good answer to that. So yeah, I had no idea what to mm -hmm. do in life and I took an MBA like many people. Yeah, I mean that's that's fantastic. I mean, and you, you you said earlier that you were working in Holland for one year. You know, you were earning good money, and yeah. you paid for your MBA with that money. So I mean, yeah, yeah, that all was, all worked I, out well. Yeah, yeah, that know? was like that was like I probably that's true actually. I probably would have been a bit more reluctant thinking about the money because mm -hmm. of course it's tuition plus no income plus salary. I I think that's true, and also of course you want yeah. that still quite a lot more because there are lots of trips within the, within the year as well yeah. right so it is it is definitely expensive but i also would say it's actually also true that that it pays off right at least in my case it did yeah. right so i think it's mm -hmm. it is true that other that if you have to do it with the with the um, with debt it's probably a bit more scary i i i have to say because i grew up in europe uh, I, it's hard for me to fathom even to think about the concept of getting into debt to study to me that's something completely completely out of my of my understanding of the universe right so i don't understand mm -hmm. how america works to be completely honest with mm -hmm. you um but i have to say probably I, I i was very lucky that way because i don't know if i would be willing mm -hmm. to go into debt of yeah. hundred thousand dollar to 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 study right that that sounds a bit scary to me but maybe i just not yeah. grew up in that culture right but i could say that mm -hmm. i can tell you that my suggestion for, for, for people that ask me about MBA is always the same. It's like, if you think you can uh, like spend, like practice, work, uh, get tuition, whatever it, you can in, the, in advance to really go to a top, top, top MBA, um, mm -hmm. because I think th that will pay off, right? If you, if you have a brand, uh, you know, on your, uh, if you, you know, for Europe, 
uh, it's London Business School, it's INSEAD, for the US is the usual suspects. Uh, you know, if you have that type of brand, you know that it's going to pay off and you, don't, you want, yeah. you, you know, even the expense is going to come back to you. But to be honest, I don't know if the business case for other for other universities is so is so obvious, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you went to London Business School, right? So <laughs> one of the, I mean, one of the prestigious like business school in the world. So yeah. Yeah. they paid up. Yeah. So it's all good. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, you, you were saying that you went to MBA because you were not really sure what you want to do next, etc. Um, you know, later on after your MBA, you kind of transitioned your career from like being an engineer to a product manager. Yeah. Like, is that something that you were subconsciously thinking about before going to the MBA or maybe during the MBA? Like, how did it, you know, how did that transition happen? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, is, let's see. Let, let me try to unpack this because there is a lot of say here, right? So, Number one, I think the reason why the MBA was such a great experience is because it allows you to experience and to brush, uh, you know, elbow to elbow to all those super, 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 super smart kids from all over the world that are come from all local lives, all countries. And that's actually one of the reasons why a, a European MBA, uh, in my opinion, gives you a bit more in terms of international experience, because you literally have a person from a different country, right? Um, in the US, mm-hmm. like the percentage of, of international students is actually quite small to the best of my knowledge. But, but in, for us, it was like in, in our, in all the old, old teams had, had people from six completely different countries from different continents, right? So it was really, and all mm-hmm. of them, they have a lot of like very ambitious, very knowledgeable, very, uh, they went to a lot of interesting companies. So you get all the top companies in the world, all the consulting, all the industry. So it's a super, super, a great way to to learn about different things, right? Because you might not, to be very honest with you, for example, I had no, I don't think I had an idea of what was investment banking before I went to my MBA, right? I didn't have a clue what it meant and I really didn't have a clue like how it, how it really worked. And, and so not that I know now, but at least I have a very faint idea, right? Mm-hmm. Before I had no clue at all. So I think in terms of that's why it's the best place if you don't know what the hell you want to do with your life, because it really exposes mm-hmm. you to people that come from all sorts of walks of life and now they're also mm. trying to wonder, but at least you hear all their experiences. And so that's a fantastic, that's why I think it's like really an accelerated like um, life experience, right? Because there are so many different things that come your way and yet, and then you can, you can really learn, right? So uh, all those different experiences, it's, it's really great, right? And then to your question about the, 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 the switch from engineering to product management. So n- now, again, that, that you make me think about this, because it's not like I, I sit every day thinking about how things connected in my life, because I'm just going through the journey. Mm-hmm. The reality is that I, I, when I was a kid, right, when I was uh, maybe, what, early, early 20, I guess, I was super, super obsessed uh, with the, one of the technological things that I really loved was mobile phones, right? And, and mm-hmm. you, you may be too young to remember, but, but in the first Matrix, right? Uh, they had this uh, iconic phone from Nokia that you press a button and the the microphone slides off, right? And to me, that was oh. that was all there was in the world, right? That was like so cool and and uh, really really uh, techy. And actually, they didn't actually sell that particular phone, but they sell a different phone in the market, similar with that slide uh, technology. And I bought it because I saved like one year to buy that phone. I, I was really passionate about it. So, this to say that in my mind. The epitome of, of my career aspiration was to kind of lead 
a, a, a phone for Nokia, right? Be the product manager, mm. I guess, from, from a Nokia mm. phone, right? Uh, not realizing that actually uh, Nokia back then was more like a logistic company that, than anything else, right? Because, you know, they could churn like millions of phone every year. So it was a lot more about logistics than about technology. I mean, there was a technology, of course, as well, but it was a lot more about logistics. But that's a different topic for, for another day. And so that's actually where passion for, for product management came, came into the picture. Mm. And in fact, my internship uh, during my MBA was actually, uh, again, kind of funny story. I, I got uh, invited by, by Amazon, right, to, to intern for them. And, um, uh, and I was super excited when, when, the, when the, the person called from recruitment and, and she was like, mm-hmm. oh, congratulations, you know, Amazon is, is, is happy to uh, offer you a, a summer internship, right? Because that's what you do during the summer in, in business school, right? You get a, an internship with, with a company. And I was like, awesome. Was it, is it in the Kindle team? And she was like, nope. <laughs> and so basically, I start calling all the people that I met in the Kindle team in Luxembourg. And, uh, and I managed to switch. I managed to make them switch me from London uh, to Luxembourg because I, was, I had wow. this dream that I could, the, the closest thing to my dream of being the product manager for a physical product would actually be oh. the, the Kindle team in Europe. Uh, and that's oh, actually yeah. how I ended up in Luxembourg for a few months during the summer. But of course, reality is never what you think. And so, in fact, actually, that, that product management there had, had nothing to do. It was 100% a project management work, not a product management mm-hmm. work. Um, mm. And then life took its way and I ended up doing product management because I basically, uh, I mean, because I have a computer science background, so I understand software quite well, even though I'm not a developer. Uh, and and basically through um, through London Business School, I actually uh, met a, an entrepreneur um, who is the founder of of a few successful businesses, and he mm-hmm. wanted someone with with a bit more of a technology angle. Uh, and so I, I I worked with him for a while, and I and I basically rebuilt their website and do that not not personally, wow. right? not not hands on. I actually organized, like, and managed to build yeah. their their. And, and so that was actually the beginning of of me being a product manager, right? Because I was working with engineers, with designers, and that's what product managers mm. do, right? So I kind of fell into that, I guess. I, 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 mm-hmm. I never really, uh, because I wasn't really happy with the with experience in Amazon. I think it's a fantastic company and everybody's super switched on, but I really felt it was more like project management than product management. Mm-hmm. And I wanted really a product management role. So I ended up ending there from another route, I guess. Wow. <laughs> Well, you have a lot of stories. I mean, if we had more time, yeah. definitely I will ask way more questions. But I'm I do to have keep it short. <laughs> I know, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, like uh, it's really fascinating. Like I'm just like really like enjoying listening to your story. Thank you. Thanks so much. Yeah. So okay. So now, okay, you graduated from uh, London Business School, and you had a summer intern, and you worked for this entrepreneur for the you know project uh, product management mm-hmm. and then in 2016 i believe you yeah. moved to bangkok so and then 2018 you moved to singapore so okay i'm curious like have you traveled to southeast asia before you moved to bangkok and also i'm curious like why did you decide to move to southeast asia like from europe yeah yeah, that's a, that's a, that's another story there again. So after after my my um, my business school 
uh, wrapped up, right? I had a couple of, of job job offers from from established company, right? Uh, one of them being Amazon because I was I was interning them, right? And mm -hmm. uh, just just uh, sad story, right? The, the the given the growth of of uh, Amazon in the past few years, the stock that they offer me back then it, it would be more than a million dollar today. But I was smart enough to say no, right? I was I was smart enough to say no. no I don't need this, right? <laughs> who needs who needs this, right? Yeah, because the company, the valuation of the company grew so much since then in the last, uh, wow. I guess, almost 10 years. And so at the yeah. time, I really had this this dream to to kind of do something on my own. And so I actually uh, joined, like, in, in London. It's, London is actually one of the, I mean, obviously, it's like miles and miles away from, from Silicon Valley and San Francisco. But out of that, which is an exception on its own, uh, probably the other places, right? It's like uh, uh, you know, London, Berlin, Tel Aviv, New York. Like those, those places are maybe similar in a guess, I guess, in, in terms of entrepreneurship. And 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 so basically, I I was there trying to. I, I met super talented people uh, in uh, um, LSE in uh, in London in, in the London School of Economics and other London uh, because there are so many different schools with super smart people there. So I mm -hmm. I, I met a lot of. Uh, interesting uh, entrepreneurs uh, or aspiring entrepreneurs trying to do interesting stuff. And so basically uh, I, I could still, um, I don't know, maybe I was just me not, because my, my thinking process was this, if I go back into corporate, I'm not, never going to come out again. So let's postpone it a bit more. Let's see if I can find something mm. and do something on my own. And of course, sadly, the answer was no. <laughs> so then I, eventually I, I ended up back, back into corporate again. But anyway, so, that was uh, that was my couple of years after my MBA. So I, I did different things. I actually did. Uh, I had my own consulting company, and I was working with several different uh, startups back then. Um, mm. But then what happened was that um, uh, again I, I was still kind of freelancing, I guess. And um, two of my uh, two two good friends from my MBA uh, got married, and and uh, uh, she since she's from Thailand, they got married in Thailand. Uh, and I was really stoked to be invited. I love them. They're they're really super kind. Uh, and um, and I honestly do not believe in anything about the stars and fate and anything like that. This is not me at all, right? I'm the most logical, <laughs> simple. Like you know, you push one okay. thing, that one thing moves. I'm a very very simple person in that sense. But for mm -hmm. some reason, I was like, I super want to go, but I don't want to play. I don't want to pay the flight. I, I want to go to the to the wedding. I just don't want to pay the flight. Never done this in my life since or after, right? But at that time, I was really convinced that, you know, let's go to the wedding, but not pay the flight. And so mm -hmm. what happened in the next few months is like I was, I, I keep reading and I, and through our own internal mailing list from, um, uh, from the MBA, we actually get a lot of interesting uh, opportunities from other alumni mm -hmm. and that kind of stuff, right? And so one was like, we're looking for a product manager for a startup in Bangkok. And I was like, that sounds about wow. that sounds like me. And and so I was lucky. I interviewed. I I, I got a, I got a job, and it, not the job. I got like the chance to 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 get a paid, let's say, short uh, internship, I guess, for a, for a few weeks uh, in mm -hmm. in that company. And they said, oh, we need you. We need you as soon as possible. When you can, when you can you come? Uh, and I was like, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm, I'm I have other clients. I'm busy until this day, which was the day of the wedding, <laughs> or actually to match with before, the wedding date. Yeah, <laughs> two weeks, two weeks before the wedding. And so that's what I did. I <laughs> I, I went there uh, later, and and so 
in my mind, it was just, you know, a way to go to the wedding for free, right? Uh, but then I, I fell in love with this part of the world pretty much immediately. I'm not a winter kind of guy. And here there is no winter, right? It's, uh, so it's always sunny. Mm. And then I, in the first couple of, like, uh, in the first two weeks, I actually got extended, like, a proper job offer. And then uh, after that, uh, I went, in the thing, I think in the first month, I, I tried diving for the first time. And uh, I, I'm a mook ever since, right? The people cannot cannot see us; they're only listening to us. But I have a scuba diving T-shirt right now, uh, and um, I can yeah. I can wait to to go scuba diving again, right? So uh, I think you know the people, the food, the climate, the nature, the fact that you can in in and 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 also for a traveler, another big 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 value of being in this part of the world is that with one or two hours. You can fly to so many different countries, right? While I was here, mm -hmm. because I, I actually had this plan to visit every single country in Europe, and I almost did. I have three countries left. And so I thought, okay, let's go now and do the same in Southeast Asia. And so from here, I could go to, I don't know, Taiwan, uh, of course, Malaysia, uh, Indonesia, Thailand, uh, Vietnam, Cambodia, uh, uh, Japan, Korea, South Korea, uh, Australia, New Zealand. So I've, I've done all of those trips uh, while I was here. Wow. <laughs> wow. 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 You traveled a lot. Definitely a lot. I, okay. By the way, I love Thailand. Um, like I've been to Bangkok. I've been to Phuket, Krabi and, you know, nice places. Amazing. Amazing. Like amazing food. Uh, people are so nice. Weather. Amazing weather. I mean, I can't agree with you more. So you so you were living in Thailand and then you moved to Singapore after. So what's the difference between Thailand and Singapore and why did you make the change? Yeah. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I think I think uh, Thailand and Singapore are really really different. I I would say they are very very different. Of course it's maybe similar climate, but you know, uh, Singapore is a very very small country. Uh, it's probably one of the highest GDP in the world. Uh, and, uh, and 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 it's very very advanced, right? So when I was working in uh, in Thailand, right, uh, I, I was working for a company called Agoda, which is probably the biggest and the largest tech company in uh, uh, in Thailand, right? With no distant second, right? There is nothing that compares because really uh, the way the, the way the work is done in in Agoda is very very similar to to really product management, Silicon Valley, all this type of stuff, right? There is a super international workforce. People coming from from United States, from Europe, from Australia—it's it's very very international, right? Um, and, and so basically, the next step from from there, if you want to grow in your career, it seems to me like the natural uh, the natural next step is really really uh, Singapore, right? Because there, there are so many like all the comp all the American companies that want to have an outlet in Southeast Asia and Asia in general. Often uh, they choose between basically Hong Kong and Singapore, and many of them go to Singapore. And then you know we have. There is Grabis there where I work for for a while, um, and uh, there is now all <coughs> sorry all the companies from China are are coming and and building uh, their their Southeast Asia base in Singapore. So there is so much competition for talent, and there is so many opportunities for talent that it was kind of mm -hmm. the obvious next step from uh, after Thailand, right? And I think before the pandemic. Singapore was also such a fantastic place. I mean, uh, the, the Singapore Airport Changi won. Uh, awards of the best airport in the world for so many years in a row mm. and i can tell you mm -hmm. i know exactly why because every single time i go there i can i can measure with the clock like i'm like in 15 minutes yeah. from the time the the taxi drops me at the at the stop of the airport in 15 minutes i'm at the gate 
ready to, to embark, right? So when I was flying, I was always kind of like leaving maybe one and a half hour before the flight. I didn't think about, mm-hmm. there was never traffic. So it's such an easy place to, to live, right? Because yeah. everything works as expected. Uh, there is no traffic. Uh, public transport works super well. So it's it's a very very simple place if you if you as a base right it's a bit difficult it's a bit more difficult during the pandemic because you know there's no no not that much freedom of of travel anymore but back then it was the obvious decision to to be there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I used to live in Singapore for four years. I really loved living in Singapore and Changi Airport. I, I can't agree with you more. Like it's literally, I can measure the time. It is so yeah. efficient. Yeah, yeah. So I really loved it. Yeah. So okay, I've ha- I have an interesting question for you. So obviously, I think like your your whole like journey and your story can be a book. I feel like you have like a lot of chapters, and uh, I'm sure a lot more chapters are waiting uh, for you. I, I'm sure of that. Um, you move to different countries, you work for different corporations, and yeah, you've done so many things. And I read one of your LinkedIn posts about failures. I really loved that post, by the way. And um, in your post, to quote you here, you wrote, celebrate your failures and learn from them. And they are the only way I know to get one step closer to success. You, you you wrote that. So I'm curious, I mean, what are some failures that you experienced and what did you learn from them? And um, how did you apply your learnings to your new endeavors? Yeah. So this is such a hard question because I feel like later <laughs> on, I'll, I'll definitely think like, oh, I should have said this. I should have said that because this is really like a, a complicated question, right? Because I think um, I think you learn every single day, right? And and I think like I remember at some point I had this spin I was I was I was carrying around that says I never fail, I only win or learn, right? Which is another way to mm-hmm. put it, right? And and I I mean even even all the way back then to that fateful uh, disaster I created in Finland twenty years ago, right? I mean that I, you know over there I learned like you know you know don't don't blame anyone, just just move on and try to un- understand and try to teach. So. I think one of the biggest learning, which I really think applies a lot to product management, and that's actually why how I describe the role of product managers. I think that product managers like drive clarity, right? That's what I think product managers are there to do. Because product managers mm-hmm. are not developers, are not designers. They don't have any particular skill. So their work is really to kind of empathize with customer, empathize with stakeholder, and drive clarity across all the different people around the table, right? And so one of the mm-hmm. things that I've learned a lot is is repetition right it's like i repeat the same things at least three times if there are key messages i repeat them again and again and, and maybe three times during during meetings right and and i realized that even then is not enough right literally like last mm-hmm. week uh we we, we learn uh, in the company that something that that myself and the chief of technology that we ask our teams to do then we realized that it wasn't actually implemented as, as we expected right because we didn't keep repeating mm-hmm. it, right? And and there was a super interesting learning from in a book called uh, Measure What Matters, which is a book on uh, OKR and objective and key results. And in that book, I found that this page was super fascinating, right? It was a, a, a memo written 20 or 30 years ago by, by a director of Intel. And he said, like, you know, when I push you to do this, when, I, when, I'm, when I'm hard on you to do this, you do it, uh, let's say, 90% of the time. If, if I'm kind, but I, I remind you, you still do it 90% of the time. And when we reach that 90, whatever, 
I kind of stopped asking and that measure dropped again. So the point is not mm-hmm. to, wow, to be aggressive. It's not to be kind. It's just to keep reminding because everybody's busy. Like right now, you're not here with me. You're thinking, what am I going to have for dinner? Uh, you know, oh, I forgot my laundry. Oh, I need to call my friend. Mm-hmm. And, and all of us, we live, especially in the world we live in, right? We're all thinking a thousand things. It doesn't matter if your camera is on and off, if your cat is on, is, is here with you or not. Everybody has a thousand different things in their mind. So I think repetition is something that I really believe in uh, as a tool to kind of try to take the message across. Uh, or oftentimes mm-hmm. you, you, you hear people saying, uh, oh, okay, this is what I hear you saying, right? Is that, am I right? Do I understand you correctly, right? And, um, and, and I think this is something, and, and the, the thing that I really love is that that's actually how, how I see my role in the company, right? I try to bring all those uh, frameworks, right? And try to help the team grow that way. And so I love when I see uh, other people in the team doing it, right? Because then I feel like my job is, uh, my job is working, right? My, my, my role is, is having some mm-hmm. effect, right? When I see those frameworks being applied by the rest of the team. Mm-hmm. Wow. Repetition. I love it. I'm just a, I'm curious, while you're talking, I got really curious about this repetition thing. Do you think, uh, well, not think, but do you apply this repetition uh, framework to your, I don't know, daily life or your your work, like professional, like work life as well? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So when, 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 if if I'm talking, oftentimes, if there's something really, really important, I make sure that I say early on, because I don't want to say twice in a row. Right. So I make sure mm, that I, say, mm-hmm. I try to say it early on. And then if depending on the length of the duration of, of time I speak, I, I maybe try to stick it again in the middle. And then at the end, I'm like, and, and so just to summarize what I'm like, the key points. Right. Because I think that's that's actually something that I maybe picked up also uh, in my pre-sale job when I was working at Nokia. The last job I did was pre-sale and I was I was doing a lot of interview uh, of presentation all over the world. Right. And I really, really enjoyed it. It was such a great experience because it taught me how to capture attention and now like you know you crack mm-hmm. a joke you throw something in the middle because people lose their attention right so you really want to like your voice has to go up and down because this way people keep, mm-hmm. keep their attention so there's all these little tricks that you want to use to kind of uh, capture your audience right and and so at the big like and if you read kind of um, books or whatever about presentation they always try to say like you know have a clear agenda go through your point and then have a summary right and and i think you mm-hmm. you hear it Maybe if you hear if you hear TED talks or stuff like that, you hear like if there is nothing else that you take away from this, please remember this, right? Yeah, so yeah, those, yes. All of those are techniques to try to get at least one little message across because mm-hmm. because you know we, we and and this is the most incredible thing for me that I've learned. Uh, one of the most incredible things that I've learned about life is that you know I, I often say the message is not measured at the speaker mouth; is measured at the listener ear, right? Because, hmm. you know, it doesn't matter what you say. And you cannot say, I yeah. said that. It only matters what the other person registered. And you are responsible of that. You're responsible True. to get your message across. And actually, this is a, another super cultural thing, right? I don't know if you, if you read the book. I think it's uh, Speaking with Stranger from Malcolm Gladwell. It's a fantastic book. I, I, I love Malcolm Gladwell. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I read a few of his books in a row, so I'm not sure if I'm citing the mm. right book. But where he speaks about the difference between the West and the East, and the fact that uh, in the West, the, the responsibility of communication, I think he says it's on the uh, listener. No, it's on the speaker. And then in the East, is on the listener. And he makes all that ex- uh, example about the, the Korean uh, flight accident. 
actually, yeah, the Korean. I and I, I didn't make that connection. So the, the, mm. he, he, there is a chapter where he talks about this Korean uh, flight disaster, and oh, he explains, I, like, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. yeah, and he explains that that basically in that moment, the guy, the the, the person that was uh, underneath the the captain said like oh mm. it's, it's very cold today right and that's it and out of this message you should have been able to extrapolate that he looked at the data and he thought it wasn't safe to fly or it, mm. it wasn't safe to do that maneuver but he wasn't empowered to be like hey dude what you do what are you doing right you should actually stop and we should reconsider the only thing you could say in that cultural environment was wow today is particularly cold right and, and i'm sure i'm butchering it as i remember it right but, but <laughs> the, the, the point being that you know, oh. I try to be extremely direct uh, and extremely clear, of course, always being respectful. Yeah. So you always take a person mm -hmm. apart when you want to give them criticism, but try to be direct. Like we always, yeah, it's insane the amount of times you feel like, but I told you that, right? D didn't I? And then if you actually think about it, you said you try to hint it, you try to be, and then the other person didn't register it. Like I remember one, one friend once told me, one guy once told me, you know what he learned about communication communicating with americans right is uh, this guy's from israel and he said that the first time mm. he had to communicate with american he was like oh this is great but i think maybe we could change this right and he's because in israel they are so direct right he, he mm -hmm. registered this is great so nothing nothing to worry about and after war after a while after he learned and worked with this boss for a while he realized that this is great but we could change it means throw it out of the window and do this change right uh and 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 wait those... sir wait sir okay go ahead go ahead and i'll ask no, no, just that, that sorry because the fact that basically we, we all find our way and based on our culture based, this is why working in international environment is also very interesting right because you need to learn that you know for example i i'll give you a practical example i remember like when i was working in in thailand right uh, i had a, a, mm -hmm. a few thai engineers and their thai engineers are very reserved they're very like you know it's it's a different culture, and of course, maybe there's some some small language barrier. There are lots of different things, right? And so I remember that when I learned after a while that when this Thai engineer came and asked me something, whatever I was doing, I had to drop everything immediately because he would tell me like, "Oh, there is this little thing, right?" Because it was culturally mm -hmm. the appropriate way to to say this to me, but in reality, the entire build, building was about to collapse. That's why he actually oh. stand up from his desk, right? Otherwise, he would not stand up from his desk. And so it's up oh, to me. It's up to me okay. to learn that if he actually did the, the put the effort to stand up from his desk, it means something incredibly terrible is happening. And so I drop everything because if I just listen to the message that hey, this little thing, I'll be like, yeah, don't worry about it. It's fine. Go back. And if I say that, that's what he understands. Don't worry about it. So problem solved, right? So the. The, the burden to, to kind of drop everything I'm doing and spend the next half hour slowly, slowly to get him to tell me exactly what's going on. It's on me. And I thought that was really funny. That was a very good experience, right? So, you know, it, it's, it's wow. very different, right? Culture by culture. And this is what you learn. That's actually what, what I love about, you know, my job because it's a lot of, it's, there is some technical things, but most of it is talking to people, working with people, mm -hmm. understanding their needs, understanding their hopes. How can you make them happy? So, because at the end, that's that's what you need. Right? You know, there is no company. Companies don't exist. It's just a collection of people, right? So only if you make those <laughs> people uh, happy and 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 uh, feeling positively, that that's that's how you get success. One question. So okay, I get really interested in this uh, this topic. So like for example, okay, let's just okay. I'll give you an example. So if you are just let's say in Europe, like in Italy or Finland or other European countries. 
you are working with a team and let's say you don't think this is working. You think like, oh, this project needs to be changed, right? Mm -hmm. Then what do you, then I guess like you, you, you can be very direct to like Western people. Okay, in that case, do you com- do you compliment them first? Oh, you did this is great. Mm. However, I think we need to change it. Or do you directly can you the culturally speaking, like, hey, we need to change it. This is not good. Yeah. Or comparing, you know what I mean? Comparing yeah. with like Eastern, like Asian culture. Like how do you yeah. approach differently? Yeah. That's a good question. So number one, right? I don't think I'm good at this. So my answer, my answer of what I do, it's probably not the answer of what you should do, right? That's that's first caveat, right? It's probably okay. what I do is a bit different. But what I personally do, it's kind of try to build a relationship with the person so that then I can be direct, right? Uh, because mm-hmm. I can only be direct. That's me. Like, like, for example, when I write something, I'm thinking, I'm focusing on what I need to write. And then I'm like, oh, wait a second. Hi, Lucy. How are you? You know, I write this thing at the end <laughs> yeah. because I, I'm thinking, okay, what's the point? Why am I writing Lucy, right? And, and, and so yeah. maybe I'm not the perfect person to be very, very attuned to that. I try hard and I try to learn. But to your point, right? Another thing which is funny is that, you know, uh, I don't know if you ever, if you ever uh, listen to, to videos recording uh, from uh, Hans Rosling, the, the, the Swedish professor. Um, it, it's, uh, uh, you, can, you can Google him. Please do if you haven't heard his video. Unfortunately, I'm so sad he passed away uh, a few, uh, I think, a couple of years back. And I, one of my dreams mm. was to see him live because I think he was a, an wow. a, a astonishing uh, entertainer and super, super smart person. Um, but one of the things he, he did, right, um, uh, he actually was, I think, uh, um, I forgot the name of the organization, but he founded this organization about exchanging data freely, uh, especially government and governmental data paid by taxpayer. He built, a, mm. a, a, if I remember correctly, he built this uh, online database where all this data can, can enter so that more interesting things can be extracted because government wow. has the tendency of be like, oh, this is from this ministry or from this team, so they don't share it. So he was actually promoting mm-hmm. this kind of share o- across the world, right? And he has mm-hmm. insane visualization techniques. And one of the things that he... Uh, he says, which re- really resonates with me as a as a kid grew up in Italy a uh, long time ago, is that he says like Africa doesn't exist, Asia doesn't exist, and Europe doesn't exist either. Because the moment you explode, uh, you know those countries, you you get from you know from uh, Nepal to Singapore, or from uh, I don't know uh, Myanmar to to Australia, right? Or from and even in, within Europe, right? You, you, because you and the reason why I said this is because you were you were putting in the same bucket Italy and Finland. They couldn't be further away. Right? Yeah, true. you know, in Italy, you probably are. You need to still have a little bit of of a connection, and probably mm, it's okay. Mm-hmm. I, I don't. I, I hope not, right? But but I would I would probably guess it's okay to maybe raise your voice or whatever. Not okay, but it's accepted, right? Mm-hmm. But in Finland, there is no high. There is no hello. It's like this is my problem. And, and I remember reading uh, this, uh, this blog from, um, a, a, from someone that joined from the US. Uh, I think it was Skype because Skype was developed between in the Nordic, right? Estonia, Finland, these countries, right? Uh, I apologize if I, mm-hmm. if I, I mean, I know it's Estonia for sure. I think also Finland. And I remember uh, she was saying that uh, his, her colleagues were like, you know, she was like, hello, how are you? And this guy was like, what do you want? Not because they were trying to be rude. <laughs> Because they understood I know what you mean, was, yeah. She was trying to 
she wasn't able to kind of match that, right? And maybe that's why I, yeah, I, true, I, true. I, was, I was so happy in Finland, right? Because I could just simply say, that doesn't mean you're rude, right? Then you're going to go out yeah, to the yeah, yeah, yeah. and drink. And, and, and I have still great friends there, right? Uh, it's just that, yeah, I know. you know, you, you, have, you, have, you have a task to do and you do that task, right? But definitely, mm-hmm. and so I think what I do, I, and, and I don't know if it's good or not, right? Actually, if anybody wants to reach out to me and tell me how to do it, I, I'd love to hear it. But basically, the way I do it is more like building a bridge and trying to establish my kind of way to communicate and make it clear to the other person what mm-hmm. I mean and why I communicate that way. So mm, true, it's true, so true, yeah. also because in the, sometimes there is Lucy in the room and there is John and there is Jack. And what do you do? Like you become schizophrenic and you have a different personality when you talk to everyone, right? This is also difficult, mm-hmm. right? And maybe some yeah, people are true. better than me and they're more able to adapt. Of course I adapt, right? Don't get me wrong. I mean, if I know if I know you well, I can be a bit more direct. Otherwise, I'm, I try to be a bit more careful. But eventually, I end up to kind of try to bring the team at the same level, which I guess it's my level because I'm, I'm, I'm the person that organizes the team. And so I'm like, you know, be polite, be always kind, but also be direct and, and repeat yourself. And, and these are the way that these are the way I approach things. Right. So, you know, of course I will always say like, hello, how are you? Good morning. And, and these things are important. And I try to be very respectful, but I also not try not to sugarcoat things or try to hint things because I'm good. I'm bad. Yeah. I'm bad to, to understand it. And I'm, I'm, um, and so I'm better doing it. Right. I, I'll tell you a super, super sh- short, but very funny story from when I was a teenager. I actually had my little red Vespa when I was a kid, right? And I was I was going around and Saturday we would all kind of be in, in this uh, like um, small like village where our school is and kind of meet our friends. And I remember once I, I stopped, I saw I saw two friends. I was like, "Hey, let me park my scooter and I'll and I'll walk with you guys." And they said, "Yeah, yeah, okay, I'll we'll wait for you." And then I parked the scooter and they're not there anymore and they're like, "Oh, that's that's odd." And then I took my scooter mm. again. And then after two minutes, because I was driving and they were walking, I, I bumped them again into them again. And I didn't realize that they were actually telling me, we don't want to hang out with you. I was like, oh, I found you again. Let me park again. And I was like, how silly can you be, right? So I'm a little bit oh. uh, deaf when it comes to that kind of reading. I mean, I, I'm sure I, I got better over time, right? But this is not my natural skill, right? I'm not an empathic, like a naturally empathic person. I think I'm better now than I was back then. But it's something that you mm-hmm. have to nurture and you have something that you have to learn, right? So, Wow. <laughs> Thanks for sharing. I mean, mm. I, I mean, like, you know, the we can talk about this topic like yeah. for, for yeah, yeah, this, a longer thing, time. Right? But... I think this is a big, a big topic on its own. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is definitely. I've got a couple more questions. Yeah, uh, sure. One question that I really wanted to ask you about was uh, you mentioned briefly earlier that you were doing a freelance like work you know after the MBA uh, before yeah. joining back the you know to the corporation to the uh, the corporate world mm-hmm. um, and I actually saw that on your LinkedIn that you were part of like these projects like you know Sri Mojo I think a Pixavita Language Hunt Thea Spent Yes, yeah. Ben. Am I correct? Yes, yeah. yeah. So I was curious, like, why did you like? What are these projects, and how did you start all of these projects? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So th- those are different things, right? And I guess 
I'm, that's a little bit how my brain works. I do a little things. I want to learn. And, and learning for me is always the top priority, right? I'm, I'm, I guess I'm lucky because I'm, I, I have a job that, that, that is in demand. So I, I can be a bit more picky. But my, my, my initial, my, my biggest um, wish is always, it was, is always learning, right? So Timojo is actually uh, something, it's a project where uh, while I was in London, unfortunately, I interrupted it because I, I moved to Asia. But uh, while I was in London, I um, because I really love uh, teaching, right? It's one of my, my one of my passion, right? I always say like if if teaching would pay as as well as a corporate job, I would maybe I would maybe be teaching, right? Um, and, and because I I love like again like silly silly kind of short stories, right? But I I remember I, I was actually teaching. Uh, I probably was no, but not for free, but anyway, close to for free for a for for a university in 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 London when I was there, and I remember this. A teenage girl came to me really angry, like a French girl, really upset. And I was that because she was asking me a few ideas, right? And I and I kept shooting her down, but explaining why. I was like, no, because of this, no, because of this. And she probably gave me one of the best compliments I ever received in my in my life because she was really angry at me, really passionate. And she said, "Okay, but why did you join only when the course already started, right? As in, like, why were you not here from the beginning?" And oh, media was like oh, the, wow. the best compliment I ever had because I wow, could see wow, that wow. everything I said was recording for her. Was like was hit everything yeah. that I said was hitting. Like she gets it, she gets it, she gets it. So she just needs someone to tell her yeah. if you enter, right? So for me, teaching is such a fantastic passion, right? And so what I did mm. when after uh, towards the end of my MBA, I actually through through some friends, through some colleague. Uh, through Matthew, by the way, shout out if Matthew ever hears this because he's a great guy. I really like him. So um, I, I basically, uh, Matthew is the founder of uh, Nine Others, which is another thing that I strongly suggest everyone to check out. And um, he, he, he was one of like, it was a great friend and a mentor when I, when I was there in London. Um, and basically he helped me organize this event where I took a lot of student entrepreneurs uh, that started uh, started businesses while they were students and I kind of mm. organized a small team, like we were five or six, I think, the first year. And that became, unfortunately, the last year. But basically, we went through a, a kind of accelerated um, entrepreneurship class over six weeks, right? Uh, and that, so wow. that, that was Trimojo. And uh, unfortunately, then I left. Every, all the students were, in fact, I'm still in touch with them. All, all, the, all the guys that were part of the class, they were like, oh, if you do it again, we'll, we'll make so much publicity. You'll have more people in the class next year. And I was super excited. But then life happened, and I ended up yeah. in in, uh, uh, in Asia, right? So, but that's something that I, I always love teaching, and and I and I hope one day I'll have the opportunity to to teach because I think it's such a such a beautiful thing to do, right? When you mm-hmm. pass your knowledge and other people kind yeah. of learn, right? So I I find that super super exciting, right? And then the other thing you mentioned, like Pixavida language and those were actually uh, I don't even know if I can call them startups because they were so nascent, right? They 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 never really start. But this was my idea of you know, I want to try something of my own, right? Uh, I want to, I want to mm. try something. Uh, some, and, and so those were actually, um, I, I met co-founders through, uh, through the, through the London um, community, right? Through, through London, other, other schools and stuff like that. There's a very uh, thriving community of, of entrepreneurs in, in the universities in London. And so that was actually how, uh, how I, I got involved with Pixavida. And then uh, language and with Adrian, uh, I actually found uh, something online uh, and I reached out to him. It was in, in the US, right? 
And we ended up meeting in Turkey, I remember. We ended up meeting in, wow. first in Turkey and we worked on it for a few for a few months. And I still love the idea. I think I think somebody should do it and be successful with it, right? It's kind of a, a place, a marketplace where you can meet someone else that can and you can kind of learn from each other languages and other skills, right? This is something that that Adrian has been passionate about for for a lot for a long time. But again, like I think lack of um, I think I don't know, I don't know, like maybe timing, concentration, skills, I don't know, something was lacking. But I think, and, and Pixavida, again, I think is a fantastic idea. It's like, the idea was you could summon a semi-professional photographer to take you really beautiful pictures uh, when, when you are on your holidays, right? Imagine instead of having those selfies that, imagine like your parents, right? Oh, they had this really nice picture mm-hmm. that they, they, they put on the wall and they are really like, uh, they're really beautiful, right? Imagine if you could have like you're in Paris or you are in Seoul and you have this beautiful picture taken with a professional camera that you can then shoot Ooh, on the wall. So, nice. so yeah, yeah. So those are those are really good ideas and I hope somebody one day will will do them <laughs> properly, not like we tried and and make them fly, right? Because I think they're really amazing. And then finally the Aspen was was the name that I gave to my own consulting company when then I was working with other uh, businesses so there were the, the, I was more like product doing the product management consulting for them and I work with the a couple of businesses, uh, one called Okoban, which is uh, kind of a, a, a sister brand to, to Travel Sentry, which is that little thing. In fact, you never, nobody has ever heard this, this, this name, but every single person on the planet bought from them, right? Which is quite interesting. Mm-hmm. Because if you look at uh, your luggage, if you have that little red diamond uh, on your luggage uh, and, uh, you know, the, the little red, red uh, diamond that, that shows that, you know, the, um, uh, the airport security can open your lock, right? Uh, you want uh, to, go to, yeah. to airport security, mm-hmm. that's that company, mm-hmm. right? And they have another mm-hmm. brand called Okoban, and I work with them for a while. And then uh, near it, uh, which is a, a, another another business that I that I helped uh, in Italy, that I helped for a while. Still, when I was in London, so I was actually kind of flying back and forth. But those are all uh, different uh, tries at at being really like a, a, an entrepreneur, right? Um, uh, with the, with limited success, let's say. So, wow. so, yeah. Wow. I mean, yeah. I mean, I called them as success, whatever, like, you know, you know how it turned out. Like, I don't know, yeah. like, I, I learned, but I mean, I, I don't complain at yeah. all. I'm happy that everything I've done. And, and a lot of time, you know, you go back to that experience. So I was like, you know, I've done that mistake before. What can I learn? And I think that's what mm. right? like, that's actually what experience means, right? Uh, you know, you, you just you just try to. That's why, for example, they. I don't know if you. Uh, I'm not sure how much you how much you enjoy reading about entrepreneurship, but basically, they say mm, there is a huge difference between, for example, fail, failing entrepreneurs, uh, failed entrepreneurs in the U.S. and in Germany, right? For example, in Germany, your failed entrepreneur is it's a big uh, stain on your career, right? Uh, in the US, it's a fantastic badge of honor because it means they understand that you will make less mistakes the next time, right? That's how. Well, that's I why didn't get, know that. Yeah, yeah. So that's actually why you get a lot of uh, entrepreneurs that that are at their third, fourth, fifth venture uh, because you know uh, investors somehow trust you in a sense, in a sense that you know they already work with you. They know that you're responsible. Mm. They know that you work hard. That kind of stuff, right? Yeah. Being a failed entrepreneur within reason of course let's not if yeah. you burn through through a pile of money right but within reason it, it actually turns out to be a, a great thing so in that sense i think uh every all of my experiences are, are really useful and, and help me be the person i am today hopefully 
valuable for for the people I work with. Yes. Wow. Okay. So, two last questions. <laughs> All right. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay. So, first one is okay. So we talked about a lot, uh, but if you can share, do you have any life motto? Hmm. Yes. So actually, I have a, a ton of uh, proverbs or mottos that I that I really use. In fact, I use really many. In fact, I, I, one of my ideas was like one try one time trying to list them all, which I of course never did. Um, but I think the one that I really really uh, remember, the one that I that I can really um, go by, right? The, the, the one that is the first that, that I can I can talk about is um, structure drives behavior, right? Um, which is super oh, wow. funny because Structures some people uh, don't uh, don't really um, uh, doesn't really. I, I, one of the things that that makes me a bit sad sometimes is that I cannot when when I cannot transfer uh, this uh, knowledge to 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 someone else, right? Because I try to explain it sometimes to a friend, and he's like, "I don't I don't quite get it. This is kind of obvious, right?" But I guess it's like the example that I make, which is maybe a silly example, is why do you go one by one through the door? Because the door only fits one person. So the structure of the door drives your behavior. And this is actually very important in product management, right? Like what do you build in order to drive what structure? Because you can you can walk that path the opposite way, which is if you want to mm. entice a certain behavior, what structure do you put in place? So again, this is a bit about product and entrepreneurship, but maybe maybe you recall uh, from back from back I don't know ten years ago or whatever there, there was this um, article that became really famous about the the Facebook aha moment, right? Where they said that mm-hmm. if you get I don't remember now six friends in seven days, right? You kind of quote unquote got hooked to the platform, right? So once you learn that from data, then what does the product manager do? The product manager try to do whatever it takes to get you to six friends in seven days. And that's why you get mm-hmm. upload your, your book, uh, your, your phone book, uh, connect to your friend through email, all those things mm-hmm. are actually ways, structures that, that try to push you towards that behavior, right? And so to me, this is something that I've heard, uh, that, that, that I uh, learned from uh, at the University of California, Berkeley, when I was there during my uh, MBA ex- uh, um, uh, exchange. Because I did my MBA in London, but I actually exchanged uh, in the University of California, Berkeley. And I did this venture capital class with uh, Terry Oppendike, Sean Foote, and Jerome Engel, right? They're, they are actually uh, venture capitalists from the Valley, and I will all, will for always forever be grateful to them for, for that class. It was really, really interesting. And every single class, I remember all, of, all three of them, they were like, and because structure drives behavior, you know, mm. and they would always make that connection. And so they burned it into my brain. And now one of the things that I really, really think about a lot is like, you know, uh, what, what structure do I want to put in place if I want that particular behavior? So, for example, I'll give you, I'll give you a silly example. I want, to, I, I want to keep my stakeholders updated about what all my teams do. So what structure do I put in place? I created a template for a weekly email and I ask all the product managers to send weekly email about their updates, right? Um, mm-hmm. Or I don't know. We want to uh, keep updated about other things. So I created a different structure, right? I create a, another framework somewhere else and ask the team to update it, to keep it updated every every one or two weeks, right? And, and, and this is what, I mean, a lot of things, I think 
especially when you are like in uh, when you start growing in your career, what you deal with a lot of times. Of course, you deal with people. You you have to be capable to to be successful, to understand people and be understood. But if you want to scale yourself, the only thing you can scale yourself with is frameworks, nothing else. Because I don't literally mm-hmm. have uh, the time to spend an hour with every single colleague in the company every week, right? That's just impossible. So the only thing that scales is frameworks, right? And so this is one of the frameworks that I use. But I have a, I have a lot of others that uh, again. Next time we talk about frameworks and 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 models. Wow, wow, it's a free masterclass for me. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. You're very kind. No, I really mean it. I, yeah, this is really fascinating. Structure drives behavior. Yeah, super interesting. Uh, yeah, but well, anyway, well. <laughs> I would love to learn more about that, but it sounds really, really interesting. Okay, one one last question. So, what is your favorite book that you like to recommend to our listeners? I ask these questions to all our guests, so I'm curious to hear what's your favorite book. Yeah, so let, let's say since it's our uh, it's it's the last question, let's go a little bit further out from work and 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 uh, business and that type of stuff. There's a million uh, great business books. Uh, you know, if you are interested in product management, let's say you definitely want to read um, the design of everyday things and books from the two books from Marty Kagan. So this is kind of uh, definitely the must. But the book I want to recommend uh, outside of work and and the book that really I find insanely deep and and I love reading it uh, every few years and I read it again and again and again is The Little Prince. Uh, it's uh, wow. it's such a such a great great book and to me I I don't know I, I'm I'm actually at some point probably not anymore but at some point in my past I probably could have quoted you the the entire chapter uh, when the prince meets the fox what? I think that's the most interesting yeah yeah this is the most um, you know you only know the what what is it you only know the things you tame right the the essential is invisible to the eye these are those are quotes from that chapter right. Uh, you know, and and um, and and, and um, there is that beautiful part where where he talks about um, not rhythms. What what's the word he says? You know, when he says like when the fox says, uh, you know, the every week every day the the hunters hunt, but once a week they go to the village, uh, and then that's where I can actually go deep into uh, into the uh, in, into the into the village, and I can try to get the the, the hands and the and and go into the coop, right? It's such a beautiful story. It it, it makes me. I, I think it to mm-hmm. me, it's like the the foundational um, thing that you should teach people to 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 come together and to and to kind of understand each other a bit better, right? Uh, but yeah, so uh, I, I I love that book a, a lot, like and especially if. It's a very short book, so you can read it in maybe a couple of hours. But if you, if that's even too much, then uh, if I can suggest to, to to the listeners, please at least read the chapter where when the prince meets the fox. That's probably fifteen minutes. You probably can find fifteen minutes. <laughs> wow. Okay, I definitely read it like when I was younger, definitely. Mm-hmm. But uh, I'm gonna read it again. I, I yeah, I'm curious how I feel now when I read the book. So yeah. yeah, definitely I'll do that. Well, I mean, it's been, well, 
one hour, one and a half hour interview, but like I still have so many questions <laughs> in mind. But we are gonna wrap it up yeah. here. But、um, it was so fun talking to you. I I learned so much、uh, from you. Is there anything that you like to talk like before we wrap up? Oh, maybe maybe if I can.、Uh, obviously, I'm I'm very so. First of all, thank you so much, Lucy. I think、uh, it's been such a pleasure talking to you, and you're very very a, a very kind host. So it's it's really easy to to talk to you and and spend a, a, an hour plus like、uh, you know reminiscing and conversing. So thanks a lot for that. But the little the little call out if you if you guys are if anyone is is curious、uh, about wherever you are in the world, if you want to move to Southeast Asia and uh, you know uh, you're interested about.、Uh, Business, product management, development, because our business is growing a lot. So if I can hijack this、uh, this moment for for a little,、uh, you know, reach out to me on 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 LinkedIn because we are, you know, and if you don't mind、uh, a world like a, a work life balance where you can actually live from Bali or from Phuket,、uh, then then you know why don't you why don't you reach out to me? That that may be my my last call if you don't mind me hijacking. Oh my gosh! So nice of you. I mean, honestly, like living in Bali, Phuket. I mean, who who would say no to that? I、Correct. mean, like、yeah. this is such a great opportunity. And Al is such a nice person, and yeah, he's gonna be your one of your best boss ever in your life. So definitely reach out to him. <laughs> I, I'm not、uh, sure everybody agrees, but but I try my hardest. Yes. Yes. <laughs> All right, that's it.、Uh, thanks so much. Thank you, Lucy. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us this week. Hope you learned something new from this episode, and now you are motivated and fired up to make your dream come true. Make sure to share with others who might need to listen to this podcast because this is something they needed to listen to to be inspired. We never know. Lastly, be sure to subscribe and follow Self Made Express with Lucy John on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. And I will talk to you very soon. Thanks for being here.